Mm-hmm. So if you think about top athletes, the same is true for top salespeople. They're really the top rejects. Mm. And think about it. So many people that experience extreme levels of success also experienced extreme levels of failure. And they only made it to where they're at because they failed over and over and over and over again. And I think, you know, it, uh, John Maxwell says it best. He says, you either win or you learn. Mm. You either win or you learn. The second thing I'd say, and this is true in sports and it's true in business, Lance, is um, awareness, self-awareness. You know, personal growth and development starts with self-awareness. If you want to get better in the future, you got to become more aware in the present. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Today's guest is the owner of Montgomery Companies, a highly regarded performance coach and keynote speaker company. His clients include business executives, sales organizations, and entrepreneurs. From small town Iowa to a dominant force in the performance coaching industry, he travels the country speaking and coaching executives at Fortune 500 companies professional athletes, and salespeople. He is, I'll tell you this, I was watching his videos before this and the guy got me fired up and I'm super, super excited to dive into his story. Jordan Montgomery, welcome to University of Adversity, brother. Hey, Lance, thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor to be with you and to share this conversation. Absolutely. You know, and I can always relate because when I when I learn about somebody that's been in sports and that works with athletes and I can always relate because I was in that world for so many years. And what my first question to you is, what does the word adversity mean to you? Yeah. Adversity is character building, you know, um, that, that would be my response, right? It's the moments that shape us, uh, that define us, that build character. And uh, I think some of the best things happen in the Valley. So, you know, one of our mantras has been legends are born in the Valley of struggle. And so I think about the Valley of struggle, but I also think about the good stuff, you know, the character and the growth and the perspective that's born in that Valley. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. So tell us a bit about your background, man. Because, you know, somebody that is able to speak with such conviction and such poise and be able to lift a room like you do is something special. And I, you know, I, I really was like, wow, this dude is like on fire. And I'm not just saying that. There's a, certain, there's a certain aspect about people that, you know, to be able to inspire people to, to do things and to get out of what they're feeling, you know, is something that not everybody can acquire. So what I would love to know is like, tell us a little bit about your backstory. Have you always been like that? Like, how did you get into onto this path? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Um, you know, I came from a, a great family, grew up in a small one stoplight, don't blink kind of town, Kelowna, Iowa. It's the largest Amish community west of the Mississippi. So, you know, I had a great upbringing, went to the University of Iowa. Uh, I was kind of an entrepreneur all the way through college. I had these little side jobs. I'd 
sell mattresses. I sold cell phones for a while. I was always selling something, you know, mm. but I, I love to be creative. I loved working with people. And, um, you know, I, I had some mentors, right? I mean, so much of who we become is uh, the people we surround ourselves with. And I had some great mentors that taught me about, you know, entrepreneurship, innovation, communication. Um, so I don't know that I, you know, part, part of it too, Lance, and I'll say this is I, I think God gives each one of us individual gifts. Uh, there's a lot that I'm not. I think as you get older, you become acutely aware of who you aren't. Mm. And I'm not real creative. I'm not the smartest guy. Like I don't have a super high IQ. I think I was a 22 on my ACT, like just, you know, um, but I, I loved communicating. I loved connecting. I loved being with people and, you know, God sort of put me on this path and opened doors to new relationships and those relationships led to opportunity. So I appreciate that question. Um, I'm just a really simple guy from Podunk, Iowa that, uh, by God's grace and by the good help of people around me ended up, you know, doing, uh, some things that I really enjoy. So, uh, mm. great, great question, but that would be my response. Very humble. And I love that, but that makes, that's, that's part of being a good leader too, is the, the humbleness of it. And, you know, that's what I've learned too, is, you know, from, you know, interviewing a lot of people and it's the people that are best at what they do are the most humble. And it's always like that. <laughs> and it's such a great quality to have. And so, all right, well, I, I would love to dive in deeper to like, you know, the people you work with. So some of the athletes, you know, I, I really like to dive into, you know, what makes somebody, what makes somebody excel? You know, like what are, what are the things that you notice in even these athletes that separates the ones that end up making it somewhere versus the ones that don't, because you know, the game of inches, the, it's so, the, it's so the margin for error is so slim. And like, you know, for me playing hockey, you know, that was my life. And we were so close and then it's like, boom, this guy makes it, this guy makes it. And it's like, it's, and then it looks like it's so far away, but there's a time where everybody's very close. What is it that separates the people that make it to the next level? Well, there's, there's one word in sports that is used more than any other word, specifically in post-game interviews. So if you ever listen to like the star of the team, you know, the player that scored the most points or had the game-winning hit or scored the game-winning touchdown, they use this word in almost every post-game interview. They'll say, our team was so resilient, mm. you know. I'm just proud of our resilience. And so it's this word that gets tossed around all the time, resilience, resiliency. You know, we're so, we, I loved our resilience. Coaches say that, players say it. Uh, but there's a reason they say that. And, and what that word is really all about is fighting through, making it through. You know, it's about eating the crap sandwich over and over and over again. And it's really about redefining failure and failing forward. Mm. So if you think about top athletes, the same is true for top salespeople. They're really the top rejects. Mm. And think about it. So many people that experience extreme levels of success also experienced extreme levels of failure. And they only made it to where they're at because they failed over and over and over and over again. And I think, you know, it, uh, John Maxwell says it best. He says, you either win or you learn. Mm. You either win or you learn. The second thing I'd say, and this is true in sports and it's true in business Lance is um, awareness, self-awareness. 
you know, personal growth and development starts with self-awareness. If you want to get better in the future, you got to become more aware in the present. Whether I'm a business person trying to become a better communicator with my team or whether I'm an athlete trying to become a better teammate. I really got to think about like, what are my blind spots? What am I missing? What do I not, what am I not seeing? I got to get feedback. I got to get counsel. I got to get coaching. I got to use tools and assessments and programs to help me grow in my awareness. So I would say typically if someone's really acutely focused on their awareness and they have a great tolerance for pain, they can absorb a lot of pain and they're resilient, they're going to be at least mildly successful at their craft. Now, there's certain levels of ability that allow them to be more successful. But I would say those are the two things that really stand out to me. If I'm working with a top-notch athlete or top business person, they're resilient and they're aware. What about for leadership? What, what do you define as like the best leadership qualities? Like What makes a good leader to you? I would say someone who serves others sacrificially. You know, uh, there's this question, what does love require of me? And that's like a mushy, lovey-dovey question. I love saying that, say that in the boardroom with a bunch of old white I love that, man. That's awesome. Hey, what does, you know, what does love mean to this group of people? They all kind of look at each other like, dude, we're here to talk about business. It's like, no, if you're really talking about leadership, you're talking about love. Mm. That's the question. My my opinion, I'm a person of faith, Lance, so I won't push this on anybody else, but my opinion, whether you believe in him or not, my opinion is Jesus was the best leader, the most effective leader that ever walked planet earth. I agree. And that, that was the question that he was asking consistently. What does love require of me? Mm. And he put himself in a secondary position. And because of that, he changed the entire world. So Mm. I know that's deep and that's a big, heavy thought. And maybe it's a little bit lovey dovey, but if you really want to affect the world in a positive way, you got to ask that question continuously is, what does love require of me? Mm. Dude, we go deep and I love that. I mean, love, like people, if you can't talk about that stuff, then you, you, you got to learn to dig deeper because that's really the core, right? It is, it's love, man. And I'm glad you brought that up Great. because, and, you know, being able to lead others and see the good and to love others, we have to love ourselves also, you know, and yes our ability to love others is our ability to love ourselves. If we really think about that. It's the truth. Amen. Well said. Well said. And, you know, it's things like that, that I wish I knew growing up as I wish I had that awareness, you know, as an athlete, as a kid, it's, it's tough as a teenager to have those kind of conversations and to learn that. But man, like that awareness, learning that at a young age is just gold. And sometimes we don't learn it until we're, I mean, I'm going to, I'm 30, turning 38, you know, I'm just learning this stuff the last few years, you know, but all the stuff that I love this too, because all the stuff that, you know, even in sports, it's all transferable over to business. It's all, it's all the same. It's all the same lessons. It is, right? it is, it is. Yeah. I think that's gross, right? Like I had a mentor once he, he told me uh, again, person of faith, he said, it's all in the Bible. You know, we were talking about quotes and thought leaders and he was saying, hey, this guy took this from somebody else. He says, yeah, actually, you know what? It's all in the Bible. Like it was all there. Like anything that's ever, anything that's ever been said, been done, like it came wisdom. It came from, it came from the Bible, you know? And 
So you're right, man. I think we're always learning. I think we're always evolving. I think there's this paradox of education. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Mm, And John Wooden famously said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Mm. And uh, so I love to hear you say, man, I'm 38. I'm just, I'm just learning this stuff. Like I hope when I'm 38, I'm just learning stuff. And I hope when I'm 48, I can say, I'm just learning this stuff. And I hope when I'm 58, I can say, I'm just learning this stuff because it means that I'm growing and I'm evolving and I'm open-minded to the world around. Oh, dude, that it's so true. And, and I resonate with that so much that the more we know, the less we realize we don't know anything, you know, it's like the more I learn, the more I grow, I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. There's, there's so much to learn and that's okay. But like, we get stuck in this, like, you know, this, we, this, this mode of like, well, we know it all. I know it all in my, what I think is right. And, you know, and until you realize you're like, wait a minute, there's so much and that's okay. And that's beautiful. That's the journey. Right. And, and it's, it's always and that openness to want to learn, you know, to want to, 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 to be open to things because, I think the world and the way the direction is going, we, we have to be open. We have to have open hearts. We have to be able to think differently. Sometimes, you know, we have to be able to um, approach situations differently because, you know, the situation that we're in in the world is because people weren't like that. You know? Right. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, I think we can learn something, from every situation, you know, mm. one of our company mantras is you can learn something from every person you meet and you can learn something from every situation that you're in, mm. you know, and, and one of the, the, the great innovators was Sam Walton. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about this idea of continuous growth and change and improvement, um, you know, if you, if you want to learn about somebody who really understood the paradox of education, Sam Walton's a great case study. Uh, in fact, at one time, uh, Lance, he was, the wealthiest American, wealthiest person living in America, wealthiest American. And he was arrested in a Brazilian department store because he was measuring the dimensions of the aisles. And the, 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 the store manager thought he was trying to like do a, do a stakeout of the store to rob it. Hmm. And so literally the wealthiest American is in a foreign country trying to gain an inch trying to improve. He's learning from the competition, a lesser store in a foreign country who was not really competing at the same level, but he said, man, they do, they do something different with the way they have their mm. store set up and I want to learn. And, and he actually ended up in, in jail temporarily, right? He got out yeah, because he was trying to get better and trying to gain an inch. So yeah, I think this idea of continuous improvement and growth is so huge. You know, Do you see that with coaches nowadays too, of how the style of coaching has changed? Because, you know, back when I played, it was all like very fear-based. It was very like, you do this or you're going to, um, you know, you're going to run, you're going to, you're going to run till you puke kind of thing. And I'm sure that's still around. Like, I mean, there's a certain amount of like that kind of coaching that I think goes a long way. Like I know I, that was how I, I needed to be coached at times, (laughs) but do you, you know, do you see a change now in like, how you really inspire, like how these coaches inspire or even, you know, leaders in these organizations for the bigger picture, you know, more of like, you know, because people tune people out that yell in their face and, 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 and about, you know, and put it in fear, like, you know, where do you see that now with coaching? Like, do you see things changing or have they changed or 
Walk us through that a little bit. Well, I think coaching has changed as the world has changed. Hmm. Right. So, you know, I'm a public communicator, right? So I speak to coach for a living. Well, in the same ways that I can't say something in a speech that I might've been able to say 30 years ago, Mm. a coach can't coach the way that a coach might've coached 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, even 10 years ago. Yeah. Things are just rapidly changing. Right. So if you're not keeping up with the pace of change, you get left behind and you're also not nearly as effective. Mm. And I think there's generational gaps, right? So the baby boomers, like my dad, for example, he would say, well, I don't care if you don't like your job, you committed to it. Right. And so you get your ass out of bed, you go to that job and you do your best and you stick it out. Yeah. And I don't give a rip if you don't have great leadership. You committed, you go do it. Do as you're told. Yeah. Right. And then you have millennials and now Gen Zers that are like, but I want to be cared for. I want to be loved. I need to be appreciated. In fact, Gen Zers are making a decision on the very first day of work as to whether or not they could stay long-term. Think about that. They're processing information quickly, quicker than any other generation that's come before them. So back to this, this question about coaching, think about college athletes, they're Gen Zers, 26 years and younger. Yeah. It's a very different generation than Gen X. It's a different generation than baby boomers. And it's certainly a different generation, even than, than millennials. And so coaching has changed the way that you lead those people has to change because they're different people. They grew up in a different world in a different time with a very different environment. So then, okay, this is so interesting. So how do you learn to navigate and how do you know how to speak to and how to speak to them? Because you must have to speak to people differently. Like you must have to be like, okay, it's kind of like you asked me, like, who's your, you know, who's your audience kind of thing. And, and that's, it makes sense because in the because the world is so different and there's so many of the generations, you have to literally speak to people the way that it's almost like that they can receive it. Because if you speak to the wrong generation the wrong way, they're not going to receive it as well. Is that is that is that correct? It's absolutely correct. It's not about what you say, it's about what people hear. Yeah. And as leaders, so so much of the time we're focused on what we're saying, and that's the wrong focus. The focus mm. needs to be on what people are hearing. You know, it's like if I go speak to a high school and this happened to me back in the day, Lance, I'll never forget this. One of my first (laughs) speaking gigs with the the high school crowd. And it was kind of, it was almost backwards for me because I had spent a lot of time in executive boardrooms and speaking to Gen Xers and baby boomers. And now all of a sudden I'm speaking to these, you know, 16 and 17 year olds. It was back home in in my high school. I got asked to speak on the first day of school. So it's an all school assembly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I got my content. I, you know, I've given the same content to leaders at, you know, fortune 500 firms and this, this is going to be great. And it didn't, it didn't resonate. I could tell like I was not at my best because it's a different generation. And instead of thinking about how they were hearing me, I was focused on what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And so Stephen Covey famously said that we have to seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I think now more than ever, if you're a leader of an organization, if you're a coach on a sports team, you really have to get to know your players, because they're not just going to do as they're told, mm. you know, it, it's, it's a different world and they value relationship and they want to know that their opinion matters and they want to seat at the table and they want to feel cared for, loved and appreciated. Whether it's sports, whether it's business, that's true of millennials. And it's mm. definitely true of Gen Z. Mm. 
Yeah, man. It's fascinating stuff, you know, because communication is everything. It is. It's literally everything. Like when you think about it, like I think about, you know, just business and, you know, sports and everything. Human beings. We're, we're human beings living this, this experience. And it's all about who is the best at getting their message to the other person so that they hear it and that it's received and that like something happens from there, whether it's like they get inspired to do something or it's, it's amazing when you really break it down, how important communication is effective communication. Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, Lance, I think, again, so many people focus on what they say and a leader will say, well, I've already told my team, you know, I, I said that on Monday morning in the boardroom Mm. or a coach says, I said that in the locker room. Well, just because you said it doesn't mean that people heard it. It doesn't mean that they believe it. Mm. And, and so we got to remind them, you know, as, as leaders, as communicators, you got to remind your people over and over and over. The average person needs to hear something seven or eight times before it sticks. Right. So if you're the CEO, if you're the head coach, if you're, if you're any kind of a leader, you're a CRO, you're a chief reminding officer, and you got to go back to things over and over and over. And then the, the other thing is more is caught than taught. So it's not just about what we say. It's about how we act. It's about how we live. It's about what we don't say. It's about our nonverbal. I had an old mentor. He would always say your, uh, your body language never whispers. It screams. So we're always communicating. We're never uh, just communicating. We're always leading. We're never just leading. We're always communicating. They, get, they, go, they go hand in hand, communication and leading. Do you work with a lot of people that have teams remotely where they have to deal with, you know, because with, with my, my, this is like a personal question for myself because, you know, I have a team that's all over the place and, you know, sometimes communicating through, you know, different channels online can be tough sometimes, you know, especially when you're, it's through text or it's through, you know, you get video calls, you know, do you have, how many meetings do you have versus like, you know, how do you communicate with the least amount of meetings and that kind of thing? Like, do you, like, where, what do you see that? Where do you see as far as like becoming a good leader in an online, like a remote kind of business style of business? Yeah. Well, uh, again, first is seek first to understand, really know your audience, know your people. So that answer is different for 20 somethings and 30 somethings versus right. you got a more senior you know, team mm. because they, prefer to communicate differently, right? Yeah. Uh, if you've got a younger team, you want to increase the frequency of communication. So more touch points and you want to shrink the amount of time that you spend in meetings. Okay. So I would have, I would have shorter meetings, but a lot of touch points because those younger people that they, they want to know that they matter, that they're being cared for, that they're appreciated. They want to seat at the table. They want their voice to be heard. Right. Think about this, Lance. Um, Gen Zers don't remember. Jason Dorsey said this the other day. They don't remember a day before the smartphone. Hmm. So they grew up in a world where we were we're communicating rapidly. It's instantaneous. Everything, right? Direct direct messages, text messages, video messages, Hmm. FaceTime. Information traveled so fast. And so when you go silent for a week, they're like, I think I lost my job. Like, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I must be done. So the guy doesn't care about me. 
because they're so used to frequent communication. Uh, so that 10 second check-in, that 15 second check-in means everything, right? It's a big deal to them. Whereas again, a Gen Xer is like, well, I'm just over here doing my job. What do you mean? We got that two hour meeting. I can't wait to be a part of that. And the Gen Z is like, get me out of that two hour meeting. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to zone out after 10 minutes. Right. You know, so I would say a lot of touch points, understand your audience. But if you're working with a younger audience, like you are, like a lot of our leaders are that are listening, it's a lot of touch points. And if you mm-hmm. don't feel like you're over communicating, you're not communicating enough. Mm. Right. So we, we That's you know, cool. never th- think about this, right? People won't leave your organization because you communicate too much. Very few people. Oh, that's, that's fire, bro. I wish I had some like. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not, they're not gonna be like, well, that Lance, he, he just loved on me too much. He cared for me too much. He texted me, called me too much. But they will leave your organization if you under communicate. Yeah. So yeah, that's such a. Over communicate. Such a good point. It's such a good point. And you know, like there's, th- that is so important because a lot of people, you know, especially people that listen to podcasts or people, entrepreneurs, a lot of people are managing teams, you know, like they want to learn, they want to know the best way to do things. And like that information is so, it's so key because how you communicate is, is like, is so important in that information around like touch points. It makes total sense. It makes total sense. And you have to do, you have to almost like know your each person and, and where they stand and how they are. Cause you really have to communicate differently to everybody. Right. Like you have kind of have to know some people you can push their buttons a little bit. Some people you can't, some people are, and it's a really interesting navigation. Yeah. And, and I think as a leader, you want to take the time to make your communication specific. Yeah. You know, like mm. I know your spouse's name, you know, I know, I know the names of your children. Uh, I know generally speaking where you live. I know what you like. I know what you don't like. Um, I mean, those things matter when you're communicating. Mm. So even little things like the nuances and if I'm calling somebody on our team and I say, Hey, I hope you and your wife, or I hope you and your family have a great weekend. It's Friday afternoon. So after this, I might call a few people and I might get their voicemail. I could say, Hey, Mike, I hope you and your wife or you and your family have a great weekend. Or I could say, Hey, Mike, I hope you, Jerrica, and your three little kiddos have an incredible weekend. Enjoy the weekend. That little nuance in communication shows that I'm paying attention, I care, and he matters. And it's those little things that go such a long way as we communicate. Dude, that's gold. So with right now in your life, what is your... What do you struggle with? Like, what are you, is there anything as you, as you're, you know, working your way up, you're becoming more successful, meeting high level people, doing the thing, doing good. What, what do you struggle with right now? Like, what is your biggest challenge? What is your biggest adversity that you're facing these days? Yeah, it's a loaded question because I struggle with a lot. So, (laughs) I mean, a lot um, in different areas of my life, but um, professionally, I, I think the one thing that I struggle with most Lance is staying focused. Like I oftentimes I have so many ideas and in the past, maybe I've been an idea collector, you know, I just collect great ideas, but then you got to do something with those ideas and you got to decide 
which activities you're really going to spend time on. Mm. And, um, it's a, it's a champagne problem. It's a first world problem, but, um, you know, is it, we want to grow our coaching business. We want to grow coaching partners. You know, uh, I want to revamp content for keynote speaking. I want to create a mastermind series. I want to write a book. Uh, I want to work with this nonprofit. You know, I want to scale back and spend time, more time with my family. I mean, there's, there's just, you know, probably a lot of the stuff that you're trying to think through is just, it's not time management, it's decision management. Right. And I'm thinking about how, just managing decisions. And that's, that's the thing that I think about often. And it's probably also the thing that I struggle with the most. Yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? I mean, these are, these are, I mean, I'm going through the same thing. I, I like to ask that because somebody that can inspire people to do things and, and take action, I always like to know, like, what is they, what are they struggling with? Because, you know, sometimes it's easy for us, you know, it's e- sometimes it's easier for me to like inspire people and get them going. And I'm like, oh, did I do that today? Like, you know, and, and yeah. what's, and that's, what's so important is like, I think have, I, I think having all those goals is great. And then it's like, how do we, how do we like bring them together into like small bits, the tangible things that we start to work on? I, I'm the same. That's what I struggle with. It's like, I got all this stuff, but like, how do we break it down into like the smallest bits to take action? So like, how, how do you do it? Like, or do you have, do you have somebody that helps you with this stuff? Like, you know, like how, how do you break a problem? Like something that you have down into like little bites? Like what is your morning routine? Like, how do you, how do you get the ball rolling for yourself? Well, if I'm trying to decide on which action to take Lance, I, I get a lot of feedback. So you know, my wife would tell you that our team would tell you that I'm constantly asking questions, uh, trying to get counsel from people that know me really well and can mm. give me really good input or advice. So it's not just my own, you know, what does Jordan want? What does Jordan think? But I'm really trying to check blind spots and cause there's a lot, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And there's a lot that I don't know. Yeah. So feedback's the breakfast of champions. Got to keep getting feedback. So that that's big for us. And then when we do get feedback and I'm like, okay, yeah, I think this is a good idea. Then I want to test it out. So um, one of our mantras is test small and fast. So we want to test stuff out and we want to do it quickly. And I don't want to spend a ton of time. I'm not going to invest a ton of resources, but I'm just going to kind of try it out and see how it goes. So if I'm going to create a mastermind series or maybe it's a group coaching program, I might just do a session and see what happens. But what's the response? How did it go? And then make a decision from there as to do we keep doing it? So it's the next step. It's the next action. Get a lot of feedback first. Test it out. And then once you test it out, you got to go get more feedback. Okay, what did we learn? Um, We're doing that all the time. We're constantly testing stuff, trying stuff out, experimenting. Um, I think so many people don't do that because they want the thing to be perfect. They want it to be the right thing, the perfect thing. I think done is better than perfect. And I think you build the plane while you fly it, you know, parts fall off and you put it back mm-hmm. on, you go through bumpy weather, but you just got to get the plane up in the air and that's progress and growth. You know, I completely agree. Too many people are waiting for things to be perfect and that's just fear. That's just an it excuse, is. right? It is. And yeah. I've really learned that as well Is like, you just got to start like, you're probably going to suck at something that you've never done before. Right. But like you said earlier, it's like, you just got to failing's all right. You're just learning. You're like, and, yeah. and the word fail has such a, has such a, an energy around it that it doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. And people get like worried when they hear fail, but it's like, well, no, you're just growing. Like you shouldn't, nobody 
learn something. Nobody gets it right the first time, most case, most times. But the word fail gives people that feeling that they've that they suck or something. You know what I mean? And so it's true. like, and it's like, get that feeling out because it's 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 important. And you and like the more more times you learn that lesson, the closer you're gonna get. If you don't take the chance, you're not even giving yourself an opportunity to learn and to eventually get there, right? Yeah, man. Fa- failing is an activity. It's not an event. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's so just part of be, it. I, I want to be failing all the time because I'm failing all the time. It means I'm, uh, it means I'm learning all the time. So man, I appreciate you and I appreciate your spirit. Amen. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you too. If we want to learn more about you, man, where can we, where can we send them? I know you got some great videos on your website. Was there any other places that we can send our listeners to uh, get fired up or work with you or hire yeah, you? Uh, you know, I, I do probably the most of our content sharing on Instagram. So I'm Jordan M. Montgomery on Instagram. Uh, do a lot there. Our website is montgomerycompanies.com. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. So all the social media channels, but primarily on Instagram. And then montgomerycompanies.com is our, our website. Awesome, man. And I always end with this one question. And we kind of touched on it, but I like to we always quote this at the end. If you had to think about all the adversity that you've been through or you've seen others go through, what is the most valuable lesson that adversity has taught you? Um, probably that life is short and nothing's permanent. You know, life is short and nothing's permanent. So I've grown in my faith a lot through my adversity. And, you know, when you, when you grow in your faith, you start to realize that this life is very temporary. I've started to think a lot about the brevity of life. And the things that I used to cling to, you know, like my bank account, my reputation and my status and my professional accomplishments, like you just start to realize this doesn't mean much. Mm. It's all going to go away. It's going to fade. And then there's going to be things that are more permanent, right? Um, So it's not that nothing's permanent. I think my faith is permanent. Uh, But beyond that, there's not a lot that's permanent, you know? And I think the other thing is going smaller with my relationships. Um, Mark Batterson says this beautifully. He says, I want to be respected most by people who know me the best. I want to be respected the most by people who know me the best. And so I've, I've started to think a lot about relationships, a lot about faith. And I've just realized that life is really short and there are very few things that are truly permanent. So live hard, live large, make mistakes, get back up, dust yourself off and keep moving forward. Dude. Thank you, man. There's some solid quotes in there. We'll have to go back and listen to you. This was, this was fire. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate you. Hey, appreciate you, Lance. And I just want to say, man, great podcast host. Awesome questions. So much fun hanging with you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, brother. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, everybody.